0: In this special episode of the IDS Between the Lines podcast, Jagasa Agarwal, a journalist, development practitioner, and current master's student at IDS, interviews IDS alumni Naimat Zafri. In this personal and powerful account, Naimat talks about his journey to becoming a master's student at IDS after he, along with his family, was evacuated from Kabul airport on the 24th of August 2021 when the Taliban took over. Amongst other things, Neymat talks about how education is key for Afghanistan and his hopes for the future. It's been a year and a half since Taliban invaded Afghanistan. Millions of men and women in the country now only dream of education without having an access or the liberty to study. Today we have with us an Afghan who fought all odds to fulfil his long-standing dream of a master's programme in the UK. Nemat Zeferi. Nemat graduated from the Institute of Development Studies in 2022 and has since been an ardent advocate of education rights in Afghanistan. Welcome, Nemat. Thank you. Um, I'm glad to have you on our Between the Lines podcast and talk about your journey as an Afghan before and after the invasion of Taliban. But before I dive into your journey. Um, please tell me how you've been doing and how is your life lately after your graduation? How is it going for you?
1: Thank you very much and, and good morning. And thank you to IDES and your team for inviting me and thank you for such a beautiful introduction. Uh, I think uh, the journey has been quite dramatic and quite problematic and quite chaotic. But now the, after the graduation, which you rightly said in your introduction, that was my dream to do my studies um, at Sussex at IDS, especially the field that I choose for. Uh, When I finished it, of course, it was a joy moment, not only for me, but for my family and my friends who believe in me that, yes, I can make it in all those years that I was trying for it. So um, I'm happy with the graduation and looking forward, which I have already started my work, looking into the next journey of my life, looking for my PhD, which I started. And the PhD also emerged from the studies that I did in IDAs and in the areas I was looking into it. So, yeah, graduation went well and I'm quite happy. with the.
0: I would like to know more about where you're coming from before I dive into much details about your journey. Um, Please tell me something about what was it like for you as a child in Afghanistan? What was your family like? I would like to know more about... Um, how how did you do your schooling, um, about if you have your sisters who have done schooling in Afghanistan yeah. back when, I don't know, 30 years ago, uh, what was it like to study in an Afghan school?
1: I think in my age, if you look, all Afghans will have different stories, but in the different stories you will find out uh, one similarity, and the similarity is we all have faced um, different uh, tragedies in our life. The tragedies, I will call it, is a collapse. We faced two collapses, uh, the first one uh, in 90s and the second one now. So, um, of course, like every other Afghans, uh, we also went to Pakistan as an emigrant when we were a child in 1991, and I started my schooling in Pakistan, Peshawar, uh, along with my sisters and my siblings, uh, and then in 2002, we made it back to home when things went better and we had a new government and uh, we went home. And then I continued my education, my schooling there. And then uh, eventually I uh, started very preliminary uh, type of work in the governmental offices in the private uh, sector as well. And then um, I, uh, with efforts and the belief into it that education is the only way, to get rid of all the things we have in a country, uh, in a family and then in a country level. And uh, then uh, I started my school, uh, university at uh, one of the private university in Kabul, Kardan University. And I did um, uh, law and political science uh, as my bachelor. And uh, in, in between like my, uh, my siblings also did schooling and some of them graduated from uh, medical. Uh, some of them did only uh, high school. Uh, and uh, one of my sister, which I probably can say is, she's a medical doctor. And uh, she put all her efforts, along with other family members, to, to make it into the university and happily finishing it. So, yes, yeah, schooling was as such. We we did some in Pakistan. We did some in Afghanistan. And life was also as such. Life was not an easy and neither in Pakistan nor in Afghanistan because you know the situation of the country there was always war there was always uh, uh, poverty there was always challenging finding a, a proper employment so yeah it was challenging doing the studies and challenging finding a proper uh, means of earning for yourself.
0: Um, so when you say that um, you were as a child you went to school and then you started working in the government offices, you found your way somehow or the other, and you had your sisters who is now a doctor. Um, How would you say um, you had this access to education or was it there in your family to have, you know, your parents thought that they want their kids to be educated? Was it in your surroundings that everybody was getting educated? Or was it something that you had to sort of fight through even 30 years ago and uh, say that no education is what I need I mean where did that first instinct of education being an important factor in one's life sort of came um, given that as you're saying that everybody was going through poverty and there was so much of uh, turbulence around you where was that first instinct from? Where did it come from? I think I
1: would give credit back to uh, not only my father, but to my grandfather. My grandfather was, um, uh, in the in, uh, 1960s and 1970s, was the very first person in our village who opened girls' school, um, who challenged you know conservative uh, societies there, and then he opened uh, girls' schools, and was the very first person who sent um, his daughters and his granddaughter's to school there. So I would say it, it was inspiration from him to me. And then all, all the way when we were immigrants in Pakistan, I was thinking, okay, if I continue being a, a skilled person and a labor person, by the end of the day, uh, nothing will come out of it. Uh, so the only way to get rid of the challenges we have in our life, individually and personally, we had in our life, was to to go through education. and uh, Because one day, I believe, into the country will be free. We will go back home. And then uh, a system will need her for which we have to study, because for a system you need to have some knowledge and you need to have something to contribute. That's why uh, my family support was also there; they were encouraging her. But all this journey was not simple, you know. It happened. I and my siblings uh, left school two two years and two twelve years of uh, duration of school. We we couldn't make it um, uh, to school two years due to the fee issues. We we couldn't pay the fee. Um, in Pakistan and then it also happened in Afghanistan as well when we started um, we couldn't directly join the school due to economical issue and if you also look at my graduation from the school, uh, finishing school was 2006, By my university joining was 2010 the four years gap was not a simple gap, it was uh, not a decision that I don't want it to continue but it was a challenging situation due to economy, I, we were struggling to find the right way of financial support in order to start the uh, university, because you have to pay for university. And I, when I got a good job uh, and would struggle and everything, then I, I, uh, that thing was in my mind that, okay, the higher education is, is there, and uh, I have to start, and I have to start. So every year I was putting the struggle, and finally after four years of the struggle, and finally a bit of handsome job. Uh, with Handsome Package. I started university in 2010 and all the way finishing in 2014. But when I finished my university in 2014, uh, I believe into that I think there's further more uh, aims and dreams that I want to reach and for which um, upper and higher education beyond bachelor is important. Uh, and and for, for that, I start looking for uh, scholarships and then I, I thought that I think having education in abroad and in some international uh, universities is, is the right way because now the knowledge in Afghanistan is, is the bachelor level. Now let's let's get something you know, from international universities and get international knowledge. And that's why I started applying for international applications, <laughs> international scholarships um, from 2015 onward.
0: Well, your grandfather's story is really remarkable. I mean, it it makes me believe that even so many years ago when we didn't really consider education as a part, at least in South Asian countries, I mean, your grandfather did make a remarkable difference. And I think he has inspired generations to come as in like, now you are here, and then your future generations will be here. So it is indeed uh, very inspiring. Um, when you say that you you got a job, uh, which was which helped you sort of uh, take a step uh, towards your future, um, could you please tell me about some work that you were doing before coming to the IDS and what was your work about? Um, if in any ways that was with the government or you know on the other side of the government, or were you working in a private job? Sure. Um, yeah just some insights into that would be
1: sure so when I uh, my my first job was when I started when I was in school I was school student I I used to work with uh, one of the printing press as a computer graphic designer and uh, typing uh, the local language in English uh, wordings and script for people Uh, so that that was uh, that printing press was um, one of my classmates printing press uh, they offered me to start the job and I and I still remember that was a handsome uh, and very good uh, first earning was <laughs> 500 afghani per week okay so they were paying me 500 afghani per week uh, and then uh, later on um, i got a job in ministry uh, national environmental protection agency where i was um, looking into ozone uh, protection uh, program ozone layer um, related uh, Substances, chlorophyll, carbon, the hydrochlorophyll, carbon, working with the custom authorities to control that. Then I uh, moved to um, the Ministry of Rural Rehabilitation and Development, where I was busy looking into the work of uh, the Ministry and UN, uh, mainly busy with the district development assemblies, enabling them to, to implement some projects and um, accessing them to different means of life. And then later on, I joined United Nations Development Programme in Afghanistan. Uh, working with the uh, source uh, to come up with environmental concepts and start working with the communities. Later on in 2006, the last job that I had was, uh, uh, same with UNDP in Afghanistan, was the National Human Development Report Coordinator. So the projects were looking into, and I was busy into, to advocating for the concept of human development, which is not only the economy part of it, but it's more like, and the nation in the government has to focus more on to education, health and employment, a decent employment and in decent education. You know, uh, it's not only the economy and the economy would be different means of it, legal and illegal way of it. But what's more important for our countries and the people to look into how much the, con- the government in the state is contributing towards their education, towards their health and towards their decent employment opportunities. So I was busy in that. In, uh, in 2020, um, uh, as, a, as a coordinator for the team, uh, we produced uh, in the UNDP a report it's called Pitfalls and Promises, which is on extractive industry of Afghanistan, in order to look into if the in- industry is properly managed, how it will contribute to human development in Afghanistan. And uh, yeah, so that was the last
0: job I had in Afghanistan. What are the stark differences that you see in terms of your personal life? Like, of course, I understand that you've moved here and your personal life has had a 180 degree shift where you cannot really go back to the country. But if you have somebody, what, what's the difference that you see um, in terms of uh, personal life? I mean, not social, uh, but personal.
1: I think very personal. I, yeah, I would uh, say that way. I, ju- I was just speaking last week with my sister and my cousins. Uh, my sister, who, is, um, uh, who did six years of uh, medical, and then finally she was supposed to sit in an exit exam last week, but she was not allowed to sit. Uh, so it's quite personal. Um, uh, and more personally, I see my niece who are supposed to go to school, secondary school, but they are it's the second year, more than 520 days, that they are at home, and no clear future what is happening. Very personally, I see my cousins who are in the third year of their uh, medical schools, and they cannot go. Very personally, I see my other nieces and my cousins, second cousins, who I have seen them the bright future of the country, who believe in education. And uh, who, not only them, but their family believe into that, yes, our daughters will will be someone in the future. Our daughters will make the system. Our daughters will contribute to the community. So personally, all those that I'm connected with, it, it, it hurts me that today they are sitting in an unclear future. They're sitting at home, and then the life is going on. In a conservative society like Afghanistan, you have no clear future for half population of your country. So that's quite, you know, personal and I and I feel for them. And I feel for the people. Not only that, you know, the other side of it. I I I have seen the the great talent of Afghan women. You know, when I was working in my career I had two female bosses and I have seen how talented they were and how talented they are, and I have seen that that, that talent had been kept at home now. Imagine in a country in Afghanistan Forty years or more than forty years of war. someone by any means, ha- have lost their family members, male family members. How about those that they're only money earner are female? What will happen to them today? They are stopped from going to to you know, their offices. How they will eat? The, the very simple question is how they will eat. How they will survive?
0: Yeah, I guess in the in the bigger narrative, we sort of forget. To bring out these subtle uh, points that, as you, as you rightly pointed, that if if these people have served in the army for so long and their wives were the sole members, you know, of income, there's no way that they can, you know, earn money or serve their own families. Um, on on understanding how um, sort of this whole situation has uh, prohibited women now from, you know, going for education and how it has even impacted you because you were selected as a Chevening scholar. And then after the invasion, you were told, I, I guess, you were told that you cannot come to the UK yes. on your Chevening. Yes. So could you walk us through that whole journey where um, the government, the, the UK government or whoever was sponsoring your scholarship refused that you cannot come to the UK to pursue your master's and how was that journey how did you eventually end up here Um, what did you write to them how did you sort of convince them to give you that scholarship you've been working for it for last six four five years and finally when you saw this and it was taken away from you yes how did it feel and What did you do? What was your What was your fear? What were your instincts in those moments? Please walk us. Yeah,
1: yeah. Please, Um, uh, sure. Uh, I think um, one of the uh, thing I I look at it when I received the letter was uh, to look at the dictionary to know the meaning of pause and defer, because that was written in the letter that the scholarship has been paused or deferred this year. I do understand what's the meaning of pause and defer, but I wanted to make it more sure. What is it? And I went to a dictionary know Oxford Dictionary and find out what is the meaning of these two words. Uh, because I was shocked. Everyone was shocked. I was shocked because I kept applying for shivening from twenty fifteen. Imagine all those years you were receiving reject email. Now it's not happening this year. We regret to inform you it's not happening this year. But finally in two thousand twenty one you make it all the way and you cross and you you've, come up with the interview, you clear the interview, university admission and all the things. And finally you're just waiting to receive an email about your visa application. And you receive an email in the sixth of August and saying that this spouse will differ. Of course you need to look at these two words in the dictionary what it means for you. And I look at it as well. I I I remember the moment was a joyful moment at our home and I received the email. I was sharing it dancing so <laughs> my family because that was an email yeah. from the embassy but the moment I opened it I said no 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 hold on there's something else <laughs> that was a complete um, you know silence in the room and it was written it's positive different I mean you can't believe it you're just at a final and you stop uh, so we we and other we all 35 shivning scholars on that here we got together we start our fight and um, because that was a, a right fight a right fight for your education that's why you know 520 days plus this is there is a right fight for such thing the afghan girls are also fighting for their rights and we also had the same rights to fight for it and raise up our voice we raise up our voice we 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 knock all the doors we knew all the doors we knew, we, we, we asked each and every one. And finally, our voices were heard by the kind people of the UK, by the good people across the world, and kind people across the world. Our voices were heard. And finally, the UK government kindly accepted that they will give us visa, not only to us, but our family members as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, that that's very true. Uh, what do you think happened when... Um, you were refused the scholarship. W- what do you think happened in terms of bringing uh, people from Afghanistan who were give, already given these scholarships and then deferring them for the next year because nobody knew if Afghanistan would actually, you know, be continued uh, will continue to be under the invasion of Taliban or under the rule of the Taliban for the next year. So. What do you think happened there? Why, why do you think there was this deferral?
1: I think for uh, these 35 uh, Shivani scholars, um, uh, I would say, including me, of course, for me individually, was a collapse on 6th of August, not on 15th of August, when we received the letter that it's not happening. So I think the letter was very clear that the, due to administration issues, they cannot proceed because uh, the embassy... Uh, was closed, so they had no one uh, to proceed the the documentation and everything. But uh, our uh, our voice was also right. Our uh, asking and our rights were also uh, right. That no, I think we can. It can be eased. It we can make it from the third country, and we can. Uh, we have to be given permission. We are not looking for any excuses. We are not looking for any ways. We're just looking to to grant the the visa has to be granted for us because we reached almost the last level. And then receiving a letter at the last level was not acceptable at all. Uh, we could not convince ourselves that no, let's, let's accept that it's differ for the next year. So I, I think no one knew at that time, of course, uh, that uh, collapse would happen.
0: Yeah, so I, I picked out this report, Operation Pitting, by yeah. the UK government. And because it was uh, launched to evacuate Afghan nationals who were eligible for relocation to the UK and of course the UK military and I came I was reading I was going through that report and I came across this one point which uh, was mentioned and I, I feel like this was a very valid point and I would like to mention here which was uh, at I quote it says while it was never going to be possible to evacuate everyone who met the eligibility criteria as part of the operation there was an there was a lack of effective coordination across all the government platforms with real and painful human consequences for those who reasonably expected to be evacuated but were not and i guess while you were evacuated later that whole journey of uh, persuading or convincing the people who were supposed to sponsor you must have been so traumatic and um, um, it's very difficult to I guess
1: um, I, I think I, uh, I I would say the other way around I, I would say you know the situation was not as normal situation you need to know that it yeah. was not a normal situation uh, I personally my own experience is I crossed 20 to 25 thousand people yeah where the whole country is in a kiosk. So dealing at that situation is not a simple situation. But I personally would say, you know, the way I have been treated, uh, I, I'm so thankful for that, because I remember when I um, crossed the point where I was supposed to go and um, reach to the point where you could, a British soldier was there, and uh, they shake hand with me and take me out from that crowd, we hug each other there. All the way from there, immediately, just next morning, we were in a plane. And when that, at the end of that day, we were just in the Heathrow Airport. And then the uh, the warm welcome. So that was the governmental side of it and the military support I received there. Which is, I'm so thankful for that, personally speaking and honestly speaking. And then the people, you know, the support I received from the university, the email they sent us there supporting us, by any means they are standing with us. That was a warm welcome, very beautiful welcome. We received, uh, I and my family receive a very nice welcome when we were in London going to the parks. We received a very nice welcome in our neighbor, neighboring uh, communities and neighbor houses here in Hove, in a university as well. So I'm so thankful for that, honestly speaking. Yes, the situation was not a normal situation and it, it, it was beyond a normal situation
0: yeah i mean i was seeing this picture of you in a kurta and you've you've spread you've you've posted it everywhere and i could see um, you were in an aircraft i guess yes. and there were a couple of people behind you who were sitting and i was yesterday i sat and i was staring at that picture and uh, I I think I remember speaking with you and you were telling me that that was right after you sort of crossed the Kabul airport uh, and you took boarded the plane Um, first I would like to know what and uh, I know this must be very hard and very difficult for you to share um, but I would like to know what was your experience at the Kabul airport as you've rightly mentioned in a lot of blogs that you've already written Um, and then I would like to know um, how did it Feel, I mean, in in terms of, um, how did it feel when you were somebody who was a Chevening scholar among so many people who were evacuated from uh, Afghanistan on the same plane that you were in, you know, and you sort of portray this picture of you where you're like, I represent these people, and uh, I am I am going to be the voice, you know, while I start my journey here um, after all these. You know struggles that i've been through and then i'm standing here and i'm representing and i only go better from here um yeah so first maybe i would like to know about your journey at the Kabul sure. airport following by i,
1: I think uh, i i would i would not call it a airport because you know airport has an entry and exit but there was no entry for that and because the whole airport entry a proper entry was blocked um, neither the cars of course you could not go in a cars even you could not go in normal walking so it wasn't an airport entry it was a, a very different um, first uh, battle line of the uh, you know war you're crossing it was as such
0: so uh, it did seem like
1: a war it did it, it's war it was flame. it was more than that it was more than that because all these 25 to 30000 they were there they wanted to be before you and they wanted to cross that line and be at the front gate before you. So it was very difficult. But uh, not only that, before that, you need to cross four or five of layers of um, uh, Taliban patrolling. And the fear was when I left the home from the very beginning. And the fear was, uh, my photos was in the BBC. My, I have uh, linkages with the UN, and you really don't know how things are, who they are, how they will treat you. So all the way when I was reaching to the point where I was assigned to, that fear was with me because I was carrying my passport, I was carrying a few identities, I, I was carrying few uh, my laptop and um, some other documents with me. Uh, these all were uh, like a case of fear for you. So we reached um, finally, uh, but it hasn't happened on the same day that we tried. We tried on 26th, uh, 22nd of August. We tried the whole day. It was not possible. There were three entry gates to the barren camp, not the airport. Uh, we tried all three. It was way too difficult because uh, I had my ch- child who was just 18 months with me, along with my other children, and it was very difficult to cross. We couldn't make it on that day. And, uh, I, I tried a different way individually to look at it, how it's feasible and possible, and I came up uh, for the second day with a, with a different strategy. And a different strategy was because we were more around 33 people on that time with the family members and everyone. Some of us made it at the 22nd and the others who didn't made it, the bigger family members. We we tried to attend on 23rd. And then on 23rd, uh, the strategy which I approach, which turned out to be a life example for me in the future as well, because individually you cannot do anything until you turn out to be a group and you make it. And I asked the whole team that the boys and the younger will be making a hand chain together. And in between, we will place vulnerable elder age women and children. Because you're crossing, you're mobbing in in, the, in, in between twenty twenty five thousand 25000 people. You, you should not let them to come inside our circle and I'll chain. That was how we made it after two or three hours of struggle, push and pull, halt, and beating sometimes. Um, we finally made it to the point where a uh, British soldier was uh, waiting for shipment scholars. And then, yes, we we uh, did some procedure of administration, procedure, registration, and everything. And finally, at uh, the day, at uh, the morning of uh, uh, the uh, 24th of August, I was in a plane and I took the photo. And I was a different feeling. Because out of hundred and sixty three countries representative assuming scholars on that year, we were the only ones who who made it such such drastically, such uh, chaotically, such painful. The others said properly goodbye to their family members and hugged each other and had their beautiful clothes, everything that they loved, they wanted to bring with themselves. And we were not like that. We we, we left behind our beloved ones. We we didn't hug some of them or maybe a major majority of them we didn't bring uh, our beautiful things that we wanted to wear we wanted to have them with ourselves so it was such a uh, strange feeling because I, I thought all those years when i was applying for shivning, i thought it would be such proper goodbye uh, having proper suited booted and going to the airport that it was not like that so it had that thing and in, um, in your mind that but but finally you think it's okay you made it
0: thank you so much for sharing that namak it would be so difficult i mean if i am listening and i cannot even begin to imagine what it must feel to leave your country and know that you do not have a lot of chances to come back um yeah i i can't even begin um, I think yeah, mountain. it's
1: it's 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 a it's a strange feeling. I know I, when I when I reached to Sussex uh, on 20th of September, and I I, I had a very different and emotional feeling because Sussex I was dreaming for it, Sussex ideas, and then finally when you make it after six years, but you think about back of the country that okay I made it now here, so what you know. The thing you dream of, it, the bigger things, is your country and your identity and a lot of things. And on that time, it was a problem of... I mean, thinking of, will I be able to make it back or not? So, yes, you make it to your dream, which was Sussex. But then a bigger uh, ground which you are hoping for is your country is, is not... no more there. It's not in a control that you hope to go back sooner.
0: When you were leaving... Did you did you know then that it's going to be almost uh, a couple of years since you returned back, or were you were you still hopeful that no this is this is temporary this is this is going to be fine and I'm going to come back after my master's? Um, what did you for a moment feel that okay this is all temporary I'm going to come back and we're gonna you know it's all going to be normal in a year, or did you know that no this is here to stay and I might.
1: I, I think no. I had that in in my mind, of course, because uh, having them in a country is not the first time. We had them once before as well in nineteen ninety six. Uh, so I knew how it will be. The things will be very challenging. But I was preparing myself for a big struggle, for a big fight, and a big fight for the rights of the people. For a big fight to do everything to education, and and uh, educate more, learn more. And gain the knowledge and then uh, by different means of it transfer it back to your people and a wider community so i had that in my mind
0: well um now that you were at ids on 20th of september yes and your main aim was to learn and to gain this knowledge and to expand your horizon um walk us a little bit through what your journey at IDS was like um, when you first came here and you saw people from diverse countries because IDS in itself is a very diverse community yeah. and um, in in the UK having people from South Asian countries or you know basically the global south yeah. um, and talking about those countries having that narrative built around you what was it like how did you feel um, what were the changes in your perspective that you had throughout the year when you were at ids
1: i think uh, yes ideas is all about diversity and that's a beautiful thing it's not only that you will be a person uh, only knowing about your country or one or two other countries but you will in a class you will find a diverse environment where they will know that different people are using different examples of their countries the failure the success the pros and cons of it which is a great learning for you because at the very, the, at the very that moment, uh, you learn about different countries. And then you know, oh, that's how it's going to work if I do it that way in my country. And ideas, you know, when I was learning, and, and I learned a lot of the things in ideas was uh, one of the things, I mean, a majority was looking into what is the role of the government, what is the role of the community, and what policymakers can really make positive changes, how they can make policies which benefit the people. And then see Soros in the government in the means of corruption perspective, how you can look at it. And then when we were learning it on, um, uh, from the books and the lectures, but then we, when we were going to class and discussing it, I was sharing, and I was oh, not only that the sharing perspective, but I was looking, oh, what was the problem? In our, in, our, in our country in the last 20 years, this was the issue. We should have solved it that way. We should have looked at it that way. Meanwhile, when my classmates were sharing their own experience from their country, that was another learning for me, that, oh, if you continue it, that's how the, the success will come through, you know, the positive sides the growth level, the development level, the economical changes, you know, the education level, everything will change if you bring up these changes in it. And they were bringing up their, you know, real examples. I was also bringing real examples, but at the very meantime, also a failure example as well. Some of the things which hasn't worked in Afghanistan was because of that. We're not implementing it the way we have it here. You know, so that was a good uh, thing I learned in ideas. And that also, you know... uh, so mainly deepening understanding of community involvement was something I learned in ideas very very importantly because ultimately your target is uh, you know certification of the people in the community. So you need to involve them in each and every decision.
0: Um, you know, this one point that you mentioned that when you talk um, about your country to the people in your class and because you were coming... Um, from Afghanistan at a, at a very crucial time when there were a lot of recent developments that took place and you had absolutely no clue what the future looks like. Um, did you feel that while you were talking and because uh, I, I'm a student at IDS and I know when we talk in seminars, a lot of things come up and there's a lot of shift in you know, in your beliefs that you might have been holding on to for a lot of years. And did you feel that when you shared um, things about Afghanistan, your your issues, your personal life in Afghanistan, or what you thought of Afghanistan, did you feel that there was, there was this sort of confusion around it because there were so many recent developments and nobody actually knew what is going to happen? So did you by yourself also feel that oh my God, I am talking about it, but I don't really know what, what the future looks like because I did not uh, expect this maybe, I don't know, five years ago, but it has happened. And now now we are in a state of uh, you know uncertainty where we yeah. do not know what is going to happen. And did you also feel the same uh, in terms of your classmates, like if they have asked you any sort of questions like this, like, hey, Nemeth, do you know what's going to happen? Um, what does it look like? Did you did you feel that sort of confusion, uncertainty while talking about it and not knowing what to do next?
1: Exactly. I think it still is, not on that time, but it still is. Um, we don't know where the country is going through and how the future will be because, you know, I said before, 520 plus days, unclear future for the girls' education. More than uh, around 100 days, unclear future for the higher education, for the women working in NGOs, in other arenas, unclear future. You really don't know where the country is going on and how it's going on. But what I know, like when I first joined IDES, our convener, he told me, uh, a gentleman uh, and a kind person, he told me that try to uh, learn and unlearn. Learn what's new thing, unlearn what you have learned, uh, and you saw that it's not uh, the right way of it, unlearn it. Don't stick to it. No, no. This is the, how it is, and I really like that idea. That learn and unlearn is a good way of, for it. We new, learn new things and, and believe that you old things which are not feasible or not based on the realities in the authentical documentation or sources unlearn it. So yeah, the the future is still not clear. We I really cannot figure it out where is it going. But with all that, I mean the fight has to continue, and the fight is for the education. The fight is for the rights, and the fight is for um, fundamental rights.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I do believe in this whole process of unlearn uh, more than learning itself because I feel like I've been holding on to so many preconceived notions that may or may not have been true. And every time I learn something new, I'm always thinking that, no, but I didn't know this from before and this is not validating my own thoughts right now. So maybe this is wrong and what I know is right. So I think unlearn is actually... um, I think I think it's a we we are never really taught about how to unlearn something, you know. I do think that this is something that everybody needs to know, and everybody should be taught. We
1: should here. practice it. We
0: should practice yeah. it. We should definitely practice it. Um, I I also wanted to ask you, Nemeth, that after you came to IDS, and because you've all you know already worked with UNDP in Afghanistan, and that must have given you an exposure, you know. Um, a realist attitude towards the world, what world looks like, what people are out there, how do they work, you know. And when you came to IDS, because IDS also has like a lot of professors and a lot of fellows who are coming from from Global South and from, you know, developing countries, um, what do you feel that... A uh, platform at ids gave you in terms of now that you're very active on social media you're you're trying you're you're this person who is always advocating for women's rights to education you're always bringing afghanistan on the forefront you're trying to start this conversation that afghanistan needs the attention of the world and it is a crucial hour it's the need of the hour that you know um the, the the developed countries ne- countries need to sort of focus on Afghanistan and uh, what do you feel has has IDS helped you in certain ways to sort of make that platform for you and. Um, sort of accelerate your activism and uh, give you resources for that activism to bring Afghanistan on an international platform.
1: Sure, I think if I take two words, what I have mainly learned and ideas would be, I mean, if you ask me what were the two words, it would be participation and inclusion. I mean, uh, participation and inclusion of each and every one. Imagine uh, you are just taking out 50% of your population from participation and inclusion. Whatever development you do, I mean, if you make it for, that is 50%, 100% of the pop, uh, efforts, it will be 50% of your efforts because you already excluded 50% of your population. So what the thing, of course, ideas had given me that idea that no one should be left behind. If it's a development, if it's election, if it's a governance, if it's anything in life, it has to be, each and every one has to be included into it. And today we have seen that they are not included into it. That's why, you know, I raise up this concern. Because what I have learned and what I am seeing in practice and in the ground is not that. That's why I should raise up my voice. That why not? Why not girls cannot be in a university? Why girls cannot be in a school? Cannot be in offices? Not, I mean, the things I learn in ideas and the thing I have seen in my country, I combine them both and I raise up my voice. Because if you tell me, no, they cannot be, I, I, I'm telling you, I have seen their talents. I have seen they were my bosses. If you tell me they cannot be, I tell you, I have seen their talents. They are doctors in my country. They're the top-notch decision-makers. So how, uh, how, can, I, how can I be silent? So it's both, you know, the thing I have seen in my country, the thing I have learned in ideas in the Sussex. I combined him that and that does not let me to stop and I raise my voice
0: no absolutely you won't stop yes yeah, <laughs> what my conclusion from whatever I have known you is um, do you think that your um, your voice on social media and your voice um, when you're talking to all these news platforms and your voice when you're talking to um, let's say a lot of people around you do you think it is it is making a difference right now. Do you think, um, in a situation where where Afghanistan is right now, do you think it's making a huge difference? And uh, and and what are the tensions? What are the daily sort of fears that you face in terms of social media? Do you do you feel any sort of tension? What what are your general feelings when you talk about your country?
1: Uh, I, I think uh, I'm a person, I'm a practical person. I. I am a person who has seen the power of media. I am being here is all the result of media. Had the media not raised up my voice in August 2021, today, I, including all these Shivning scholars, would not have been here. They were the people who raised up our voice that, yes, there are people who got the education, who got the scholarship, and they should be here. So the media is the right in a very powerful platform. We should get proper benefit of it. And then I'm appealing right now, you know, through this platform, to this mic, to all the media, that please do consider, which they are doing, which they are doing fabulously. The girls of Afghanistan, look at their tears. You know, look at their courage. They are on the street of Kabul, demonstrating for their rights. They are everywhere asking for their rights. They had been just one day to school. When they stopped the school for f- after a few hours, you should have seen their tears. You know, their eyes full of tears, and they're pouring all these tears only for the love of education. So the media is playing quite important role, and I want them to fa- pay more attention for that, because someone, are just waiting for their, for, you know, uh, their mic, to talk about them to speak about them and to raise their voices.
0: I guess it's very heartfelt to even think of how many women are uh, protesting only for their very basic rights. Um, and yeah, it's very difficult to even sort of imagine how it must be back there in the country.
1: I think it's, it's, it's not only how many, it's more than five million girls who are being out of the school in Afghanistan. And then thousands and thousands of girls being out of the higher education. And thousands of women being out of the offices. So these all thousands, are not numbers, these all thousands and millions of dreams We're shattering the dreams. We should fight for those dreams. Because we need to open the doors for those dreams. And my, my only, I mean fight is, is for those dreams. Because I know how beautiful those dreams are. When you have a dream for education, they are very precious and very beautiful dreams.
0: In fact, I think it was very commendable of you and I was I was awestruck, in fact, when you sort of uh, dedicated your graduation to the women of Afghanistan. And I, I would like to quote you here. You said... I would like to dedicate my degree to Afghan girls for their bravery, for their commitment and their spirit and their love for education. For the rest of my life, I'll be struggling, I'll be fighting and I will be advocating and lobbying for the girls' education in Afghanistan. Um, and I've seen you very actively talking about um, your your family Um, And you have sort of given this title of doctors without certificates. Um, While they have pursued their education and now, you know, they are doctors, just that they don't have their certificates because of, you know, whatever is going on back in the country. Um, Where do you see your sister's future in terms of their education? Um, Do you think that even when they have had their sort of journey to in education and that they have sort of have these accolades uh, uh accolades now um w- what does the future look like for the women who are already educated there are as you said millions of women who do not have an access to education right now but what about what about the women who have already sort of given so many years to you know, make their lives to stand up on their own, to have this independent life, and now they are stuck back because they do not have the credentials that would make them—I don't know—eligible uh, uh, for employment, or maybe they won't even get employed because they are women. What does it look like, what does it look like for these women who are um, who have already done this journey, who have already been through this journey? and now they are accomplished, but yet they cannot practice.
1: I think, uh, you know, when you, me and everyone is counting these days, the 520 plus days, that's a hope. You know, we all are counting, and when we count, we take an action for it, and we put efforts into it. Each and every one right now, international communities, media, everyone is talking about that. That's a hopeful thing. That's what I I, I say, I wrote down, you know, this article about um, doctors with a border, the doctors doctors with a border, but the idea comes to me like, you know, doctors with a certificate. And that was a hope and a courage I was giving to my sister that it's okay. The paper doesn't matter right now because the paper is not in your control. What is very very matter and, and is in your control is gaining the education. Just get it. Get it at home by different means of it, online, by other means of it, the days will come when you will have the documentation as well. And in the very meantime, my appeal is also to the international community, to the UK government, and the uh, academia, you have seen the courage of Afghan girls. You have seen their dedication and their love for education. Please open them different ways and different doors for education. Either it be scholarships, either it be online education degrees, please open any means and only form of it because they really need it now.
0: But when you say online, uh, do, the, do these women have an access to technology in the country? That's now, also a very big question. Well the, p-
1: the point is you open and they will find a way for it. My, 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 I mean, that's a question asked for me in different areas. My, and my, my response is, let's not bring this question into a problem. Just open it and we see if they cannot make it, that's another scenario. But at least we need to open it and that's a who. You know, let's give them a chance that there is an online, try to find a way for it and I'm sure they will find a way for it.
0: Well, that's very hopeful is what I would say. Um, uh, when When you say that this is what you see which will help the women of Afghanistan. What else do you think, as people who are listening to your voice right now, can do um, to help Afghanistan, to help the women of Afghanistan, to help the poverty in Afghanistan, to help the sort of authoritarian rule of Taliban in Afghanistan? What do you think these people can do? What do you think these governments can do for you to amplify your voice, or to make it to make a huge difference basically
1: i think my voice is uh, for the people of afghanistan and and the people of afghanistan are now 95 percent poor and uh, they love education i will tell you a story of uh, 2019 when i was in one of the mission to one of the province in, a, in a, uh, to a camp a displaced camp or forced displaced camp due to conflict and i went there and I saw uh, I met a few family members there, and I was supposed to ask them for their needs. I was expecting that they would come up with a different cash modality and different things of it. But I was surprised when they come up with two requests. The first request was they're asking for clean drinking water, clean drinking water, which is, of course... The second was, you know, having school for their boys and girls. There, I I... I I got a great hope that now the country is going towards a beautiful way of it. Because a person whom I was interviewing, he was in his late 60s. So he believed into it that water and then the second top priority for them was education. Not only for boys, but for girls. So my voice is now, you know, what I ask from international communities each and everyone is the people of Afghanistan really require their help and their assistance now. Either it be humanitarian assistance or different ways of it to the people of Afghanistan. Once again, to the people of Afghanistan who are 97% poor, they require the handful hands of the international community at that moment.
0: What 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 does your present look like? Um, how is it going for you in the UK now? Um, I suppose you're doing your, you're pursuing your PhD. Yeah. How is it going for you? What are you studying on? And uh, is Afghanistan related to your PhD? Uh, are you are you studying something on Afghanistan? What what does your present life look like in the UK and for your family for your children? What 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 does it look like?
1: Well, the life in the UK is beautiful and good. Uh, yes, my family is, uh, I will start from my family. Uh, my wife is also learning English language. Uh, my daughters are in the school, they're learning, uh, they're in the school, getting education. Um, I'm also, I've started my PhD. Yes, my PhD topic is, is uh, truly on Afghanistan. I'm in looking into the, you know, uh, different approach for sustainable livelihoods in order to eradicate poverty in Afghanistan in the last 20 years. What was those approaches? Uh, and then also I'm also looking the uh, in such approach the contribution of uh, international aid to the outcome of the poverty eradication in Afghanistan. So for time being I'm really much looking into the last 20 years uh, failure or issue what went wrong that we could not take out the people uh, from the poverty what was the issue so I'm just trying to doing my PhD on that side
0: and I suppose your children are also here yeah um, tell us a little more about how's life for them uh, are they studying here? Um, are they getting good education what are your hopes for your children and do you plan to Go back to the country, maybe, I don't know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. And where do you see yourself? What are your hopes when you go back to the country? And what are your hopes a decade from now, for a decade from now?
1: Yeah, my, my, my daughter saw in a school, uh, my elder daughter will be uh, in September. She will be in a secondary school. Uh, so you could see, you know, not going back to home at now would be one of the other problem is. She will not be able to go to school. Uh, and then I'm a father of three daughters. I need to look at it, you know. I cannot take a decision to go back home immediately right now and uh, play with their education, their life, uh, which is my motto to fight for that uh, rights for each and every one. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they are hopeful, and I'm also hopeful for a beautiful country in the future. And, of course, you know, the education you gain ultimately your target is to to deliver it back to the people either be your own country your own people or a wider community so as far as the ground is available of course uh, we will, i will uh, go back and will uh, do you know use my knowledge on a different on a rightful way in a in a beautiful way of it and a different platforms uh, if not, then of course, you know, starting up from here, this right now, this new home in the UK, will try to use my knowledge uh, in the different uh, communities and different organizations here and some other countries. As far as when the ground is available, of course, the country is, is uh, beautiful. We will go home one day.
0: You're very optimistic, Nehmet, <laughs> is what I would say, and very hopeful as well. Um, but before I... And and it was really lovely to have you today with us. But before we leave, um, I would would ask you to give a message, if you have a message for our audience and for the listeners and for everybody around the world. What is your message? What is that one message if you were supposed to give? What would you give?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. First, thank you very much for inviting me and it was uh, a good program. I think I have a very clear message. The message is, imagine a life with education and without education. With education, you will have a good decision-making mind and a good, respectful options. Without decision-making, I'm not saying that, you know, with education, you will make glory and beautiful things, but at least you will feel proud that I'm an educated person. You will have a degree, you will proudly say that, yes, I have a degree, I have a bachelor's degree, I have a master degree, I have a PhD degree you will next generation your children will proudly say that yes my mom and my dad my parents were educated just take that simple example of it and then when you're educated of course you will take wiseful decision and your wiseful decision would benefit thousands of people's life that you never know them you never met them but they will pray for you and they will praise your decision so I believe, you know, a decision with education is very beautiful. So just continue your life beautifully and be hopeful. You're telling me I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic. Yes, I am. I'm hopeful for a very beautiful and uh, a and, uh, resultful future for Afghan girls. I'm hopeful that uh, one day all these problems will be solved out. They will be able to go to school. And, and they will contribute to the community. They will contribute to their life. And... Uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and share to help us spread the word. Do you have a feature that you would like to
0: appear in a future episode? Then get in touch on email at between the lines at ids.ac.uk.